0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Enzone podcast. My name is Eric Jensen and I am joined today by for the first time in a little while, a more regular cast of crews, uh, new co-host to the show and good friend Bradford all the way from Alberta, Canada. How are we doing, Brad?
1: I I am I am wonderful. Very sleep deprived, but excited to talk about uh, Jacksonville Jaguars football.
0: Yes. Yes, that'll be a good one, and an old friend, but a good friend. Welcome back to the show, Trey Watkins, all the way from Tennessee. How you doing, Trey?
2: I'm doing all right, man. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm buzzing. Uh, football's coming. It's it's pretty much here for me. The college team I produce on the radio starts next week. They play week zero, so I am just about ready to surrender my life to football and uh let that take the reins for a little while gonna do i think later tonight i'm gonna throw on some uh some television and just kind of vibe out and use this as kind of my last day off for a little while here and enjoy some enjoy a late a late night as it were this evening and then uh yeah but i'm doing good so here we are Yesterday, or or Monday I suppose, this will be coming out on Wednesday, this is Tuesday right now as we record, Um, we did a little talk with our good friend YB on some preseason week one takeaways, some things we saw in the preseason, some players we saw, some rookies that we thought were interesting. I'll start with you Trey before we get to the AFC South here, which I am very excited to get to. Anything in the preseason catch your eye in week one? Anything uh, that that you th- feel a little bit differently now or a player that you'll be tracking for the
2: rest of the preseason? Uh, Well, I mean, to be honest, I haven't watched the preseason as much as I have in previous years because I've been busy and I've been doing a lot of things. Uh, but I'll just cheat and I'll just go with the local team here. Uh, here. I'll just say that Um, I was a little bit intrigued by Malik Willis and his showing on Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, showed of course, that supreme athletic ability that was so heralded for him coming out of college, but uh, there were a limited amount of times he was throwing the football down the field. He did have a a pretty nice deep completion to Racy McMath earlier on in the game, and that really showed off that big arm that he has. But aside from that, there just wasn't enough instances where I saw him uh being able to process the field and go to football um whether it's down the field or just within the offense so um we'll see if that'll happen a little bit more during these joint practices with the Buccaneers this week and their game on Saturday night but that was probably my first take, or probably my main takeaway and a lot of other people's takeaway as well gotcha
0: Bradford anything catcher I am week one of a preseason
1: I, well, I was once again reminded that it's a relatively pointless exercise to watch the preseason. Like it, essentially, it doesn't mean as much. I did find it interesting, however. Uh, there's there's a couple different things that caught my eye. Number one, I know the hype. This this is really a hot take because the hype is through the roof. Very impressed by George Pickens. That was one where I I I will lie. I'm I'm a bit of a I'm a bit basic when it comes to my football. Sometimes my eyes are genuinely. Uh, Primarily looking for those fantasy points, you know. I'm watching those receivers. Pickens intrigues me a lot. I thought just the whole Steelers quarterback situation and and how they played was very interesting to me. I mean, obviously we had that clip of Trubisky kind of kind of rolling out of the pocket and 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 making a play and passing it to like an open receiver and like actually hitting him, which is very impressive by Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky standards. And I say this is someone who enjoys Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I just thought that no, to honestly, Mitch Trubisky stand. Watching, I, I suppose now, if, you, if you've if you've pigeonholed me into that, um, as well as a Jared Goff fan. So I guess those are my two guys I'm, I'm rolling with for the year. Uh, I've actually I've actually purchased a $20 Jared Goff jersey off my local buy and sell that, that I'm going to wear uh, in, in the instance that I win our little bet there. Oh, all right. Yeah, just as a sort of victory lap, you know. It's a Goff Rams jersey, which I understand why is being sold for $20. But <laughs> hey, that $20 would otherwise probably be spent on food. Food is temporary. Jared Goff jersey, not That's quite forever, infinite, but it would it would last me. It would last me quite a while. Forever. Um,
0: Jared Goff jerseys are forever.
1: Yeah, I did think. Obviously, I'm primarily focusing on my Chiefs when it comes to these preseason things. Um, it always makes me laugh how much people react to preseason losses. I don't know whether it's funnier that fans celebrate heavily winning a preseason game or fans have a meltdown over losing a preseason game. Like I saw a lot of bears fans doing absolute laps because they, you know, they, they beat our backups um, in a, in a tight game there. And it's like, yeah, I understand there's not a lot to be excited about in Chicago right now, sports wise, but it's the preseason. It, It ultimately only matters in my opinion for seeing which running backs are good. You know, if a running back's good in the preseason, then you can probably bank on him being being a solid guy in the NFL. But other than that, I, I don't think it's worth the attention that we give it, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I agree with your running back takes there, but uh, speaking of which, there's a guy I, I didn't see him, but I have another friend actually who is a chiefs fan who got, who told me a name, Isaiah Pacheco. I believe that that that's his name. Correct. Uh, what do you think about him? My friend was pretty high on him.
1: There's been, there's been a lot of talk about, I remember, I remember even coming out of the draft. There was a lot of talk about being hyped up. I try not, I try not to get, you know, too excited about mid round running backs until like it's in a little bit, but he, he was decent. You know I was only, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was only half paying attention to the game. I tried preseason football is agonizingly boring, but I did, I did see his place. He's, he, he's got a little bit of juice, you know, like the chiefs, I think are going to have an underratedly pretty solid running game. And I think a a huge thing that people don't realize is, is not that they have a bad running game. It's just that they have a coach that doesn't really like to use it very much. And I'm, I'm hoping that perhaps previous unnamed incidents that have have occurred in recent playoff years will maybe illuminate Andy Reid to the benefits of utilizing the running game. Cause we have an incredible select, an incredible group of run blockers. I'm pretty sure Creed Humphrey graded out as the best run blocker in the league. So I think, you know, uh, Pacheco, or even even some of the other guys we have in the backfield. I mean, we got we got uh we got we got uh Clyde. We've got. I'm very sleep deprived right now. I'm I'm forgetting. Uh, we got Williams. Um, there's there's also uh, McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon. He had a little bit of pop last year as well. So you know, maybe maybe the rookie can uh, can contribute to to giving the running game a little pop here. You know.
0: All right. And with that, that's all the preseason talk you're going to get from this podcast about week one. We will maybe again visit some thoughts in week two on Sunday night, which is when you will hear from us next. We will be doing a podcast Sunday night. And Monday, we will be doing our final division preview with a guest or not. But Bradford, let me warn you, I have a coaches show that night for Utah State Athletics. At six, so we may it may be a late night episode. It may be an eight thirty p.m. start if that's something you're down with.
1: That will probably most likely work for me. I will I will double check this time before I before I make any commitments. But yes, most likely course. yes.
0: <laughs> uh, Bradford, you're a funny guy. Anyhow, this is an exciting time because Stray, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a reason the AFC South is coming in low here. I thought coming into this exercise that I was not really going to want to talk about the AFC South. But then about two days ago, I really went in depth on watching some old AFC South highlights from last year and doing some projected starters reading on the AFC South and doing even some preseason diving on the AFC South. And let me tell you, If this isn't, like, one of the divisions I'm most intrigued by in the NFL, I don't really know what is. I I, I think all four of these teams are super interesting to me, and I really cannot wait to get to talking to them, about them. Pardon me. So, Trey, as our resident AFC South insider, where do you want to start?
2: Um... Let's start with the least interesting team in a division right now. Um, not to disrespect them by any means, but let's start with the Houston Texans. <laughs> okay, I think there's interest around them. Yeah, I
0: think well, any team with Davis Mills as the quarterback is interesting.
1: You're not you're not buying in on Davis the Destroyer. I think you're not you're not on board with him as an as an interesting figure.
2: I am. I'm just the rest of the team. I'm just not all that interested in. I actually I actually was actually uh, pretty impressed by the progression he had last year. It wasn't elite progression, rookie progression by any means, but he did have a couple good performances mixed in uh, throughout his rookie season. that really left me somewhat impressed uh, despite that Texas team, you know, even though it was littered with veterans and had some competitive spirit. It was still a dumpster fire of a team that I don't know how anybody, you know, decided to watch each and every week. So, um, I'm actually pretty excited to see how Davis Mills progresses into year two. Um, I'm I'm still a little bit interested to see what they're gonna do with Brandon Cooks. Uh, I don't know if he's you know the resident uh hostage person over there now. I don't know if he's being host- held hostage. He's probably not, but. Um, I, I don't know what they're gonna do with Brandon Cooks, and as always, the head coaching situation is always fascinating to watch develop in Houston because it's been a, a complete roller coaster over these last couple <laughs> of years. So, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the head coaching situation develops after this upcoming season, uh, especially after the news that they wanted to hire uh, Josh McCown, or Josh McCown was one of the likelier candidates at the time before they hired Lovey Smith. So. Um, there's some intrigue there in Houston but to me they're the least interesting team in the division but that's not disrespectful by any means because I still think the Texans are a pretty weirdly fascinating team
0: yeah one guy I'm really interested but in you never brought up Nico Collins yeah. this is a guy that had some flashes last year and was a little bit in and out of the lineup I I went back and watched some Nico Collins tape and He's he's actually an interesting looking kind of wide receiver, and I, someone I wonder if is a candidate to be a breakout player this year. Even I, I am fascinated by this receiving group, and it's a real shame that John Mechie is dealing with the leukemia. And we obviously hope he gets better and has a speedy recovery. But if he would have been available for this offense. That really would have added a really interesting deep threat element to to this group that isn't quite there anymore. I guess they have Chris Conley, but um, I, I am fascinated by these kind of under-the-radar weapons. Brevin Jordan's another guy that's gotten some hype this preseason. Um, Bradford, is there anyone – let me ask you this. One guy that has gotten certified hype that I, I think is great is Damian Pierce. You said, obviously, that running backs, that's a big part of a preseason. Did you get a chance to see any Damian Pierce highlights? And what are your thoughts on the young running back there who it looks like
1: he'll be the starter come week one? Okay, well, I'll be honest with you, Eric. My love and dedication to football does not extend to Texans preseason games. Oh, However, I damn. have picked up, oh, I, guess, I guess I've I've outed myself as, as sort of a fraud in that regard. Um, I think I, I did, I, I did obviously see all, all the boxcars. There's some, there's some, like I said, with running backs, the only way I can describe running back analysis, given my relatively minuscule knowledge of football in the grand scheme of the universe is sometimes they have the juice factor and it did kind of look like he had a little bit of the juice factor. Uh, I think this is a team that's going to be very, very heavily running i mean it's it's going to be a run oriented offense i think uh i mean the nico collins thing a, a lot of fantasy sickos i've seen have been very high on him as well as brevin jordan he's one of those guys i've seen go weirdly high in a lot of my leagues so i think i think people are picking up on the hype of that a guy on this roster that uh interests me quite a bit i'm I'm really interested to see what happens with uh stingley jr like uh, yeah. Derek stingley jr like they just drafted because he was one of those prospects that I I, I imagine caused a lot of fist fights in, in the draft community um, just because I, I I was constantly seeing him him mocked anywhere from like the top to like some people saying he shouldn't even go on the top half of the first round. So it'll be really interesting uh, to me to see how much of a, I, I just wonder how much Lovey Smith can get out of them. You know, this is, this is kind of a ragtag group. And I can, I can almost see like a power of friendship arc for this Texans team where they win like five games and everybody goes home happy. Uh, But we'll see with Davis mills, what I was going to say, I do remember the one significant thing that stuck out to me. He absolutely shredded a bill Belichick defense as a rookie bill Belichick's thing is just eating rookies alive, both like on the field. And I'm sure off the field, I'm sure he's consumed a rookie or two in his time. So, Davis Mills having the poise and capability at at such a early stage in his football career to go out there. And I mean, torch a Belichick defense, you know, as a rookie, it's, it's impressive. And I I think there are reasons to be semi-interested in the Texans. I, I agree. I agree with Trey in the grand scheme of things. They're the least interesting team in this division. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of circus gong shows going on uh, with the other three. I, I, I would say this division to me, could almost rival the infamous uh 2020 nfc east the the classic uh, uh one where, where i believe washington pulled away with it in the end with like seven wins because every team in that division was dumpster fire i can see that as a pathway here and if that is the case the texans will not pull away with it
0: yeah uh, I, I don't think that i did my record predictions on the blog and stuff earlier day and you know, I, I still haven't projected it like four wins for Texans, but still four wins. You know, I'm fascinated in Stingley, in Stingley Jr. as well, because there's no help for him on that secondary. And we're going to very quickly find out whether he's a good cornerback or not, because if he is that secondary on that side, we'll get immediately better. And if he's not, he'll kind of struggle in year one, but Hey, then you get some leeway for year two because you were playing with absolutely no help. So the Ta- that's the Texans. I know we spent a lot of time on the Texans. I, I probably more than any other football podcast. So you're welcome, Texans fans. We, we 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 do acknowledge your existence here. All right, Trey, let's talk about your team. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. So here here's my thing. Okay. To me, the Titans entire season hinges on one player offensively, and that is Derrick Henry. Because if Derrick Henry is fully back from his injury and has and is what Derrick Henry has been over the past few years, Ultimately, I think the Titans are going to be fine, even though they traded away A.J. Brown and they probably shouldn't have. Um But that's counting on a lot to count for a guy who's almost 30, who's got a plate in his foot um, to be your kind of bell cow back and carry you throughout the division. What... Where do you stand on Derrick Henry going into the year? What kind of season do you think he'll end up having?
2: I stand on the notion that Derrick Henry is still an elite football player. And until I see otherwise, I just won't change that notion. I know people are hesitant, and rightfully so, about running backs and lower leg injuries, specifically foot injuries, because those can be really tricky for wide receivers, tight ends, linemen. Uh, you know, you know, rings especially true for running backs as well. So, um, I understand why people are, he- are hesitant, but based on what I've seen so far this offseason, he's looked the same as he's always been. He's ran the same as he's always been. And uh, if you know, if you have any concerns after hearing that and seeing that, then I mean, I don't know what to tell you. So, uh, I still think Derek Henry is a fine football player. He's still gonna be the engine that makes this offense go regardless. So, um, and plus, you know, and I just want to get this out the way, even without Derrick Henry, this team has a good solid uh, willingness to stay committed to their identity offensively. And we saw that last year when he was out last year with the foot injury, we saw Dante Foreman have a good bit of success in a run game. We saw Dontrell Hill, Dontre Hilliard, excuse me, come on and contribute in both the run game and the passing game. I know the offense still suffered somewhat because you know, Derrick Henry is what way much more different compared to the likes of Dante Forbin and Dontrell Hilliard. But um, I, I think this offense still has a good solid foundation offensively. I think they'll be fine um, now. That depends on some other factors coming to fruition. But if they do, then I, this offense will be fine. I think so.
0: I, I think a lot also hinges on Traylon Burks who mm-hmm. who we've texted about a little bit. Um, fantasy wise Bradford, I would say do not touch Traylon Burks.
1: I would not go near him. Uh, not at all. Robert Woods is my guy. In, uh, in, in redraft.
0: Uh, and until I see it because he did not look good in preseason week one. And he, You've been at Titans camp, Trey. Like you, you, you have some, more, you have better insight on this. Are are we all together far too low on Traylon Burks? Because it seems like the beat reporters are pretty low on him, and it seems like he didn't do much in the preseason game, and he's still taking reps with the second and third team this deep into camp. Like, like
2: what's going on with Traylon Burks? Well, the thing is for Traylon Burks is that he's gone through every sort of struggle a rookie will, will go through. I mean, J. Mark Chase had problems, a lot of problems, problems that were magnus or specified last year because he simply struggled to catch the football. And I think the thing with Traylon Burks now is that he's just simply trying to get up to speed and try to adjust himself to the NFL level. I, I think he's going through the same uh, process every other rookie goes through. Uh, and, you know, going back to, preseason on, you know, preseason week one on Thursday night, he, he was fine. Burks was fine. The thing is that he ran a lot of good routes and he got open quite a bit. If you go back and uh, look at the specified uh, routes that he ran, but you know, a lot of those snaps were played with Malik Willis, who, you know, like I've been saying, and like a lot of us have been discussing down here in Nashville is his, you know, unwillingness to let the ball rip and throw the football uh, and the fact that Logan Woodside was simply terrible uh, in relief from Malik Willis on Thursday night as well. So um, Malik Willis is fine; he'll be fine as well. So um, we'll just we'll just see. And you know, just going back to the whole second and third team thing, the, I, and and I will just we really have to just sit down and like l- discuss this in detail. I don't want to go too far into this. Uh, but the titans don't run a lot of sets with three wide receivers right and the wide receivers that are probably the most trusted right now are robert woods and nick westbrook akine and you know as you imagine the titans run a lot of 12 personnel a lot of two tight end sets so there's only going to be two wide receivers out there at that time in their base offense basically is what i'm trying to say and Burks just isn't one of those, uh, that first or second receiver. He's maybe fighting for that third wide receiver box, third receiver spot, excuse me. Um, I, I think he is as well. Um, but, you know, he'll certainly get his fair share of snaps and his fair share of receptions. Uh, so he'll be fine. He'll be fine. At least I think so. Um, and until I've seen otherwise, but, you know, based on camp and how he's developed over these, over the last couple of weeks, he's been fine. He's just going through the same, uh, ups and downs every rookie goes through during camp and in the beginning of the year, so I think he'll be fine.
1: Bradford, do you have any thoughts
0: on on the Titans? Usually, that long silence means I want Bradford to talk. But sorry,
1: sorry, that's my bad. I, I had it on on mute. Um, I'm like as I mentioned earlier, I, I'm currently uh residing at my at my grandmother's for the evening and she still has for some godforsaken reason like seven thousand landline phones. Yeah. So I was just waiting for the that's landline. That's a classic that's
0: a classic grandparent move to Grand, have a landline. It's classic so. grandma
1: move. And so yeah. the landline was interrupting and I, I I didn't I didn't want to unmute myself uh and ear blast uh the the few uh blessed listeners with, with the sound of my grandma's like 80s landline. Um Anyways, with the Titans, uh, yes, I'm. I am very interested in seeing how this team comes together. I've I've found myself uh, at ends with Titans fans more often than not, which I don't know why. It it does seem that the Twitter collective of Titans fans, such an unnecessarily aggressive group. What is up with that? I know they make jokes about that on around the NFL as well. I've experienced this personally many times. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's in the water in Nashville, but you guys need to chill out, bro. It's like people take, I'm not saying they're taking the Titans too seriously, but Titans fans, you guys got to relax. All I've been saying about the Titans is I don't think they're going to run away with this division. Like a lot of people have been penciled in. In fact, I was looking at this earlier. I was surprised to see they're the betting favorites to win this division, which is crazy to me. I don't, I don't understand how, how you can look at the Colts who were pretty good last year with an absolute like not, not not just a clown but but the entire circus residing in their quarterback being as competitive as they were and this titans team which i mean it's not going to be the same without aj brown aj brown was so special and sure Traylon burke's gonna be anything maybe he could even be aj brown just keep aj brown what are you doing just have aj brown i don't i don't think we're ready for the negative impact that no aj brown will have on this offense like like obviously, yeah, they've brought in Woods and and Traylon Burks and all that, but AJ Brown is in that rare class of receiver where just his presence on the field strikes fear in the defenses' heart and it changes how they play them. I mean, that's the key difference between Derrick Henry and those other running backs, as as well as those other running backs did in that system. Derrick Henry terrifies you because you know he could send you to the retirement home with one stiff arm from his pinky finger, you know, and I don't think the Titans are going to have that same effect, even if like without, without AJ Brown, I mean, even if Derrick Henry somehow continues to reject all the pre- preconceived notions of the running back position, which I would love for him to do. I love Derrick Henry, one of the most electric and like electric NFL players, period to ever play the game. I just think this Titans team is going to struggle a little bit. I think Tannehill is, I, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure to maybe see, uh, to see what Malik Willis has at the NFL level, and I, I, I know that Rabel probably won't succumb to that pressure. I'm curious, Trey, as as somebody who's, uh, been more firsthand, uh, uh a witness to all of this, do you think it's just with 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 uh, Willis? It's just an unwillingness to throw the ball is it an inability like what's going on with that there because you think if Vrabel was like hey this is what you're doing I'm Mike Vrabel do it you do it like I'm, I'm curious what's going on there from from your point of view
2: yeah and of course it's a, it's a problem that's been ongoing throughout camp where he's going through he's going through uh, maybe through drills and practice or maybe he's been uh, in games, like we saw on Thursday night, he, he's just seeing things, but he's just not letting it rip. And I think that just goes back to the whole processing issue uh, and just being able to trust and, you know, you know, mass together everything that's going on while you're trying to play quarterback on the football field. Wig Willis is talking a lot about trying to tie everything together. And what he means by that is he's trying to tie the entire sequence of processing Uh, to his game right now and he basically means that he's trying to get his mind to go along with his feet uh, and his body at the same time and that's a process that can you know give some young quarterbacks some fits and I've seen it quite a bit with a lot of other young quarterbacks as well uh, especially you know from quarterbacks that you know maybe weren't you know accustomed to running different pro level concepts to where they know the timing or the usual timing with this route against this certain coverage or with this certain coverage, they know where to look uh, to get rid of the football or maybe against a certain defensive blitz look where they can, you know, adjust the protection and throw the ball away from the blitz and get an a receiver. It's all about just him getting accustomed to, well, it's all about him one, getting accustomed to the playbook two working on the whole processing issue. So he doesn't, you know, have those weird brain farts on the field where he sees an open throw, but he's not trusting it uh, because maybe he's not sure about a certain coverage or a certain route. Uh, and, and three, just simply being able to trust his instincts and what he sees. So um, like he said, he said it himself, reps are his friend and reps will be his friend. You have to continually take these reps in practice and preseason games. Uh, to really get that sort of thing down. That's why Mike Vrabel started him on Thursday night, because he really wanted him to get these reps uh, and accelerate that sort of processing uh, sequence that he's been trying to work through so far. So um, that's that's really the thing with Malik Willis. I don't think he's ready to play right now. I really don't think so. Uh, but maybe, you, you know, this has been a notion, of course, since, you know, after he was drafted, give him a year. Give him a year to sit behind Ryan Tannehill, it's- let him work through the things that he's trying to work through. And then after that year, I believe he should have those processing issues down.
1: It's a mid-round pick flyer on a quarterback. You know, it's not, it's not the end of the way. I think it's, I think more teams should utilize doing that, you know, like just, right. just have that guy in, in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. You know? it's, it's, It's not going to hurt.
2: Yeah. So- and a lot of teams simply just are afraid to, uh, take that sort of route because you know one thing—it's all about optics. You know, if you take a mid-round flyer on a quarterback like that, you could be threatening uh, the position of your current quarterback if your current quarterback has questions about him, uh, or you can just be—you know—simply drafting the wrong quarterback, and all of a sudden you're back to square one. So uh, it's—it's a—it's a process that I agree more teams should take, but it's a—it's a risky process as well. So it's worth—it's worth the flyer,
1: and I—I I will say with with Malik the athleticism is, is tantalizing. It's electric. Like he, he was running out. He looked like Josh Allen when he was running. Right. right? Like, just like, I I heard a lot of people talking about like a Lamar comparison, but I think Lamar focuses more on shiftiness. Malik (laughs) is just powerful, man. He's just, he's obviously he's got, he's got the shiftiness, but he is just bullying guys with just how powerful he is. So if this, even if he can just be like uh, a medio, even if he can just pass like Ryan Tannehill, maybe a little bit, you got a guy down there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
0: what are your expectations personally, Trey, for Ryan Tannehill this year? Like what, what constitutes a good Ryan Tannehill season?
2: A good Ryan Tannehill this season is one that can work through the issues that this offense will undoubtedly face without having A.J. Brown. And also being able uh, to work through some maybe some talent deficiencies. I'm not gonna say this Titans wide receiver court is bad because it isn't. It, it has um, some guys in this group, even beyond in uh, even beyond Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook, Akina, even rookie Kyle Phillips. Uh, but some of these guys in the, in this wide receiver group just haven't gotten a lot of snaps. You know, either. In at either at the pro level or just together in this system with the Titans, so um, just just working through the different issues that could surmise out of this offense, uh, I think that's going to be a, a really big point for him this season. Just and also just trying to rebound, man, avoiding turnovers, avoiding taking really bad sacks, man, just trying to play mistake free, turnover free, clean football without forcing anything because that's one thing that uh Ryan Tanner has had a problem with sometimes over the last couple years is he's he's been trying to force a lot of throws sometimes maybe down the field maybe across the middle maybe along the sidelines so um just playing mistake free turnover free football and just staying within the scheme staying with staying within whatever you can do and just living with the results I think that's a good Ryan Ryan Tannehill season, especially after all the roster turnover offensively. Last
0: point here before we move on to our next team. I just want to spend a little while on the defense because I do think the defense is the strength of this team. I, I, I think that for me, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, Trey, we we've done this for a little while me and you, and I'm usually kind of lower on the Titans defense. This is the highest I think I've ever been on the Titans defense. I think they look really good at every level. I think Jeffrey Simmons came on at the end of last year and really showed how much of a superstar he can be. I think Harold Landry's a nice guy to have at edge. I think adding Bud Dupree helps. I like their inside linebackers enough and you know, I don't hate Christian Fulton and, I think Roger McCreary could be an okay rookie, and I like Kevin Byard as a safety. I, do you think it's a stretch to say that this is maybe one of the best defenses of the Vrabel era thus far? Uh, oh, yeah.
2: I think it I think it has a chance to be the best, uh, simply because uh, ever since Vrabel was, came here, he's either had some – Uh, I guess not the greatest of talent at some important positions defensively, or he's been wrecked by injuries uh, and that's led to some pretty poor defensive play or three, you know, he's had a really, really weird year defensively like we saw uh, during the 2020 season where they were arguably the worst defense in all football. So I, I really think it has a chance to be the best uh, defense of the Rable era. You, you spoke on Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, he's a, t- a top three interior defensive lineman in the, in this league, and he has the potential to be the best uh, over the course of his career because he's simply that talented. I mean, the rest of the defensive line is good. Danico Autry is good. Uh, the depth behind Simmons and Autry is great as well. Naquan Jones, Tier Tart. Those guys made some, uh, a pretty decent amount of plays over the last couple of years. And then at the outside linebacker room, yeah, Bud Dupree, expensive. Uh, He's coming into a year where we don't really know what the future really lies ahead for him. Uh, It's not a significant story point right now, but if he has sort of an injury prone season and an underwhelming season like he did last year, then there there can be some questions about his roster security. Harold Landry is important to the scheme. Zach Cunningham and David Long Jr. are really competent inside linebacker duo. The corner group is young really young, but it's talented and it has a lot of potential. And that safety duel is one of the best in all of football, you know, not because not only because Kevin Byard is uh, a top five safety at worst in the league, but because Imani hooker as well is an emerging young safety, uh, that's looking to get paid soon as well. So uh, this defense really has a chance and it should be the best defense of the Vrabel era because it's talented. Of course, uh, there's some good depth at key spots. Um, and as well as that the 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 defensive staff structure as a whole, uh, it's the same as it was last year that really led to the resurgence defensively, you know, which is Shane Bowen, defensive coordinator calling plays, and Jim Schwartz, longtime defensive coordinator and defensive coach around this league, uh helping out in an assistant role as well. So, um, this should be the best defense of the Vrabel era. I'd be shocked if it wasn't because all the pieces are there for it to happen. Uh but yeah, it it should and it should be the, the main calling card of this team for sure.
1: Eric, you have Eric, you have yourself muted right now.
0: <laughs>
1: no, you're still you're still you're not not yet.
0: That is the classic podcast trope. There you uh, go, con- constant, you know, muting yourself. It's a Ever pleasure trope. to have you back here. it was a lonely, so was a lonely ten
1: seconds without you. I miss, yeah, I miss I, your. I soul agree. Triggers. I think
0: I think the Titans, man, they're they're going to be an interesting team to watch this year. I will say this: I wouldn't be shocked if they miss the playoffs, but I do think they are going to have a winning record. They'll be, I have them about nine to eleven wins. You think that's pretty realistic, Trey?
2: Yeah, that's fair. I have him on the lower side, maybe around 10 wins because I'm just not sure how that offense is going to work out this year, especially, you know, with his roster with the roster turnover and Todd Downing being as questionable as he is as a play caller, so I have him around 10 wins.
0: And it sucks, but 10 wins probably doesn't get you into the playoffs in Yeah, NFC. because the AFC West decided to destroy the league in a matter of a <laughs>
2: month, so
0: yeah. Let's talk about the team that I do think is gonna win the division. Um
1: the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, the
0: Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars. Now the Indianapolis Colts. Big year for Frank Reich. Yeah. This feels like a huge year for Frank Reich because I think if he got fired, he'd probably get another head coaching job because he's a good play caller. But this is a huge year for Frank Reich. It just is. Um You have to make the playoffs this year. There's no other way around it. Last year was a disaster the way it ended with Carson Wentz. As soon, uh, famously, Jim Irsay calls that meeting the night that they get beat out. He says, nope, this isn't going to do it. They kind of don't have a quarterback plan going into the offseason. And then they somehow luck into Matt Ryan. And suddenly, your offense looks... Pretty intriguing because the offensive line still looks pretty good. Michael Pittman emerged last year as a decent wide receiving threat. You draft Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, if he can stay healthy, is a good slot receiver. And you have Jonathan Taylor, a guy who was an MVP candidate at points last year and might be an MVP candidate again this year. How, what do you believe the
1: ceiling is? For the Colts, Bradford. Uh, the ceiling for the Colts, I think, is uh probably around maybe, maybe 12 wins. I, I see them pretty easily winning this division. This is a great, this is a great roster. You know, Matt Ryan obviously is not the guy that he once was, but I think people have forgotten that Matt Ryan is pretty good at football. In fact, I would say he's above average at it, especially in the sense of playing quarterback. This guy did you see what he was dealing with down in Atlanta? He never had a chance. He never had a chance. He's not getting any blocking. He's about as mobile as Ben Roethlisberger was last year, but like, I mean, he could obviously still throw a football, but he can't move that well. And he was getting absolutely assaulted. Like he, obviously that they definitely had some weapons down there in Atlanta, but now he's in an offense where I think, I think their weapons are uh, a little underrated. You know, I like, uh, I like what we're dealing with in an, in like an offensive sense. I think Michael Pittman jr. Going to have a big year. I think, I think this is the year where the Paris Campbell hype actually comes true. If he could just stay healthy, just, just, just please just a little bit. You know, I, I, I feel borderline insane pounding the Paris Campbell drum year after year after year, but I do believe this year is the year. I sound a bit like an analyst predicting the chargers to win the division, but no, this year's the year guys. I swear he's, he's going to make a difference. I think the Colts have a great defense. You know, I mean, they have, uh, they got Gilmore in the off season. I think, I mean, they've kept most of their pro bowlers, right? They had, they had a crazy amount of pro bowlers, you know, Uh, there's uh, obviously, I guess now Shaq Leonard, I I suppose he's going by. Uh, He's, he's a big difference maker. I think, I think your point about Frank Reich holds up where he's one of the coaches in the league that makes a difference You know, this is a guy that raises the ceiling of your team. And I understand why it's a you need to you need to make the playoffs here. But the Colts would be pretty foolish for letting him go, don't you think? Yeah,
0: but I I think Jim Mersey has expectations. And this this was a team that had Andrew Luck and it was on the precipice of being one of the powers of the AFC before he retired and then they locked into Philip Rivers and they were competitive with Philip Rivers Rivers, was great for them. And Frank
1: brought that out in him. And don't you think that Matt Ryan at this point in the career could be pretty paramount to Philip Rivers? Yeah. I think he could be better potentially
0: than, than what Philip Rivers was. I though, and I don't know if Trey feels this way. I don't view them as a true contender. Like sure. They might win the division, But ultimately, I don't view the Colts as a team that are going to make noise in the playoffs. I just, I don't feel that way about them. Something about Matt Ryan, like, there are just more explosive and better quarterbacks in the AFC that are going to beat you in the playoffs. Like, ultimately, the Colts are going to have a problem of being middling to being a middling team that makes the playoffs a year or two in a row and probably doesn't make it past a wild card round. That would be my guess.
2: Yeah, and and that's that's really the thing that's frustrated me watching the Colts over the past couple of years, because the Colts have had almost every opportunity in the world to add supreme talent to this football team, whether it's through the draft or even free agency, where they've seemingly gone into almost every free agency period over the last two to three years with supreme cap space but have done absolutely jack squat with it in terms of adding elite talent. And we've seen a lot of elite talent hit the market over the past couple of years. I don't know if it's because Chris Ballard is seriously in love with the idea of maximum cap flexibility, which isn't bad by any means, but you have to throw away the idea of cap flexibility when you have a roster and you have a bunch of guys that are as talented uh, and as together as that Colts team is in order to win a Super Bowl they've had multiple chances to you know add talent and go out and win a Super Bowl because over the past couple of years sure the Chiefs have been there and sure the, the Bills have had a resurgence but this past year you could have gone out and got a better quarterback option than Carson Wentz and you could have shaken up the entire AFC play AFC playoff field we saw what happened with the Bengals the Bengals of course they had some elite talent um, both on both sides of the ball and they had some resurgences on both sides of the ball as well but who would have said before the season last year that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to sweep through the AFC playoff field including the Chiefs on the road to get to the Super Bowl and come within a, a scrape a toenail of beating the Rams and bringing a Super Bowl title to Cincinnati nobody thought so And even if a Bengals fan told you uh, that, you would have slapped them and they would have agreed with you for slapping them as well. So the the Colts have had so many chances and they've missed them time and time again. And that's what frustrates me. And this year, it's really no different. I mean, they did a better job of bringing in talent. They brought in a quarterback that can help them uh, avoid the disaster like they had last year in Matt Ryan. And, you know, me and Eric have talked about this. Matt Ryan is the equivalent or the more modern equivalent of the Phil Rivers situation from 2020. Uh, So you shouldn't expect any sort of game-breaking elite quarterback play there, but you should get some steady quarterback play, which the Colts drastically needed. I was trying to find a word there, drastically needed. Uh, The defense is still good, but the wide receiver core outside of Michael Pittman Jr. is just barren. It's Barron, and there's a lot of questions. Paris Campbell's always injury-prone. Alec Pierce, crazy athletic testing, but he's still a rookie. You don't know how he's going to respond. And you have Jonathan DeDale, of course. That That's uh, an elite piece to have, but uh, you can't keep relying on him time and time again. You need some explosion out of the passing game. So I, I just don't understand how the Colts have fumbled away this two- or three-year window of missing out to add elite talent When you already have a good GM, you have a very good coaching staff and you have an owner that wants to win and is willing to spin. So it just frustrates me with the Colts. I I hate when teams throw away the opportunities that they get. Uh, It doesn't matter if it falls into their hands or if they work for it. I just hate when teams fumble these sort of opportunities away because you never know when you're going to get it back, you know. So they took a roster with seven pro bowlers
1: and gave them Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, man. Carson Wentz. What are what's going on? Although I do think though, I know you can't obviously you're not the the whole relying on Jonathan Taylor to do everything for you. That's not gonna be great for Jonathan Taylor long term, but I think they could probably get away with it for a little bit here. And they're not asking that much of Matt Ryan, in my opinion, like they're not, they're not going to win a Super Bowl without an explosive passing game. Right. Like you're not, this isn't, this isn't like way back in the day, but uh, I don't know. I think I can, I can at least conceive a pathway mentally where this comes together in a way where Frank Reich can really just scheme to fit uh, Matt Ryan's strengths. And I could just, I could just see it working kind of nicely. You know, I I, I think that this roster is not as good as it was last year, unfortunately, which is, I mean, you probably could have gotten Matt Ryan last year, let's be honest, like maybe not for his cheap, but. Or, you know, you could have gotten like Matthew Stafford or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I understand your frustration where it's like you you guys have so much here and you're just you're you're putting in the bare minimum effort. I mean, Jim, Jim Irsay, this is not money ball. OK, this is football. Spend your spend your damn cap space. What's the purpose of having cap space if you do not use it? Cap space isn't even a real thing. Look at how the yeah. New Orleans Saints have been operating this, whole, this yeah. whole stretch. Cap space is not a real thing anymore. It is. It Brother. is. Purely a number, uh, fa- complete, complete fabrication. Spend your money, Jim. Win a Super Bowl. What are you doing? Like, I think that Matt Ryan is a step in the right direction. Though I think they seem to think that he's going to be their guy for a few more years. I don't know about that one, but for this year, I'm I'm kind of feeling the Colts a little bit. And I think I think if it comes down to. Uh, between this roster or the Titans roster, because it's one of those, only one team from this division is making the playoffs. So I'm, I'll go on a limb and say that right now. And if it comes down between those two, personally, I got to give the Colts the edge, you know? But I can obviously see the pathway for the Titans doing it, considering they've consistently, you know, been doing that.
2: Yeah. You got tears in my eyes. You got me having tears in my eyes.
1: You've been preaching, brother. Good Lord, you've been preaching. <laughs> the cap space thing drives me to the brink of insanity. Yes. Like it, 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 This is not like other leagues where market, the thing that is so beautiful about football or on, on the long list of things that make football beautiful market size doesn't really matter that much. You At know, all. like there's not this, this whole mentality about small market teams. I, it's not as, it's not a thing in football. Mm-hmm. Everybody has some, crazy rich asshole billionaire paying the bills so pay the bills you can you can keep your guys you can bring in guys Mm -hmm. like it's 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 crazy you know everybody's on the same playing field here there is no advantage to being the Dallas Cowboys nowadays most evidenced by the Dallas Cowboys you know what I'm saying (laughs) like I Eric where do you feel the 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 Colts will land up against the Titans like who, who do you see who do you give the edge here
0: uh, I I give the edge to the Colts and and I I think we're I, I'm that it's just a way I, I feel about the offense. I feel if if the Titans had kept AJ Brown, I would have easily picked the Titans again, just because I believe in Ryan and and honestly, I like Ryan Tannehill as a passer more than I like Matt Ryan, but I just like the Colts pieces a little bit better, and I I think that they're the team to watch. Moving on to our last team here to wrap this up, to keep this nice and short and sweet and to the point this episode, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were a team that did spend a lot of cap space this off season and, uh They did. a, a, a lot. <laughs> they're, of money. they're the
1: other side of this spectrum argument where it's like, okay, just because you can spend money. <laughs>
0: yeah, they, they made a lot of additions, notably Christian Kirk and Brandon Scherf on – the offensive side of the ball. Um, Here's what I think. I think the Jaguars are just going to immediately get better. They are going to just because they have a real head coach and a real, a, a standard set of NFL wide receivers, which are Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones. That's a standard set of wide receivers. And you have Evan Ingram too, who he's up and down. I get it, but he's still pretty good. You've got a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. The defense looks okay. You know, I'm slightly feeling better about the Jaguars defense with, um. oh, what's it, with Trayvon Walker, uh, because he's played pretty well in the preseason. I think they're, they're just going to double their win total, which shouldn't be too hard, and I think will just happen because they're in a better situation right now. I also just want to see how good Trevor Lawrence is because he had some really good moments last year where you saw why he was as highly touted as he was coming in. And I think with a real coach, there is a chance that he shows up and people are like, wow, Trevor Lawrence, holy cow, we've got another great passer in the AFC. And he's up in that conversation with, you know, Derek Carr and Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson and, you know, maybe not in the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen tier, but may- maybe a tier below that. Honestly, it's I think there's, a, I I think there's a chance where if if he is what people believe he is, that that could happen. And if that happens, the Jaguars are gonna easily win seven games, and yeah. uh, you know, I I think that. It's going to be a turnaround season. I don't see them being a playoff team. But if you told me that we will talk again in December and they'll have nine wins, I I wouldn't be
2: shocked at all. Yeah. And I was really – and you're just looking along the coaching search that happened this offseason. I was actually kind of interested in the Jags coaching search because for the first time, you know, what was it, since 2016, I believe, the Jags had some optimism roster-wise. I mean, it wasn't completely set in stone in terms of good overall talent, but you had some good pieces there, some good pieces that could help, you know, form a foundation for success in the future. So uh when they hired Doug Peterson, who of course didn't have a, a, a pretty sweet ending to his ending or sweet ending to his time as Eagles head coach, um, I was actually a little bit Um, I was a little bit excited just looking back over the Jags because you know, like you said, Doug Peterson is a real head coach. I mean, he's had success with young quarterbacks, specifically Carson Wentz before he got hurt and turned into broken glass and ash. But uh, I I was intrigued by that. And I was, you know, somewhat excited about the outlook for Trevor Lawrence as well. You know, like Eric said, he had some good moments last year, of course, real good moments. Um, He had, uh, I, I, I believe it was a, nice um well what's the word i'm looking for uh late game touchdown pass i believe against the buffalo bills in that game or against the jets i I can't remember i have to look back but he had some moments last year but he also had some moments where you look back and say hey if you had a guy that knows how to help young quarterbacks and mold them into uh serviceable uh, starters in this league then you could really look at a a good overall trajectory for uh, Trevor Lawrence maybe not you know him catapulting into elite or above average category year two but maybe cup catapulting into okay this guy could be somebody to watch seriously in the future uh, like we saw with Justin Herbert during his rookie year and during the second year as well so um, I'm, I'm really excited to just see how the you know this whole process goes for the Jags because This has this project that's going on right now, and I I know people would laugh at the whole Christian Kirk deal and all the money that they spent, but you know, inside of the money that they spent, they brought in some good pieces as well. So um for the first time in a couple years, or maybe you know, just past half a decade, I'm actually pretty excited to see how the Jags do this season. I actually
1: genuinely. I agree with your Doug Peterson optimism. I think I think Doug's a good coach, and this is what I've always said about Doug Peterson. Say what you want about Doug Peterson, he does not uh, physically assault his kickers, or you know, like skip out <laughs> skip out on his team to go fondle coeds and dive bars. Like he he doesn't do either of those things. So shout out Doug Peterson for your self control and restraint. I spent, I'm not going to lie, I spent most of my time preparing for this episode watching Trevor Lawrence film because that was the thing that I thought was the most interesting. I, I openly love the Jaguars. I love that they exist. I love that they're a thing. They're just, they're, they're, they're special. They exist in, in another, in another world from the rest of the NFL where it's the, a, a Jaguars win feels like, like, like a moon landing type occurrence where it's just, it's, they're, they're all so special. They all come together so special. You know what I mean? I mean, look at their last win. They single-handedly destroyed an era of Colts football. See, like just the, the Jaguars did that to them. You missed out on the playoffs because of these goofy-ass Jaguars came in. What I found in my Trevor Lawrence deep dive, I I would like to retract some of my previous Trevor Lawrence takes about how unimpressive he was during his rookie year. This guy is good. Trevor Lawrence is good. I... I, I think a lot of his struggles, yes, definitely during the first couple weeks, he had some struggles. That's just a rookie thing, right? Not everybody's going to be Mahomes out, like Mahomes, and Herbert, right? It's really just those two that have done it recently, um, or Davis Mills, I guess. But uh, I think the problem with this Jaguars team is he never even had a chance to execute basic concepts. I cannot even begin to tell you how many plays where it's like he knows exactly what he's supposed to do and how to execute it. That's not the problem. He never has a chance. It's either the receivers uh, don't have a chance in hell to get open because they're just not good enough. And the defense knows that the Jaguars do not have enough time to protect him to execute any of this stuff. So they're not even bothering defending down the field and they're just bum rushing him and covering the short stuff. And he just never has a chance That'll change a little bit with Doug Peterson. Obviously, there's still a lot of questions on that offensive line. I don't, as 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 promising as Trayvon Walker is, I still can't fully wrap my head around not drafting like Evan Neal or or uh, even Aqanu or one one of them, you know, because I think that's the most important piece if they if they want uh, to look at recent history as to what could happen in this scenario. Perhaps they could look to their. Uh, brothers in this division and in, in in the Colts as to what happens when you don't protect your future franchise guy, but this Jaguars team that I agree with Eric, they're going to double their win total. There's something spicy going on in Jacksonville right now. And I'm excited. I think defense isn't even as bad as it, as, as you think, you know, I think uh, obviously they got Josh Allen uh, from, through, from the fame, Josh Allen. Versus I, Josh Allen game. Like I, I will say this
0: about the Jaguars. Yes, we are optimistic, but there is one thing that has a hang-up. They, they have nobody playing in their secondary. Basically, no, nobody. Like, if you look at their secondary, it's it's nobody. Uh, I mean, Shaq Griffin is the most notable player there. Um, it When you're relying on Shaq Griffin, a uh, famously mid-corner, to be your number one corner, that's... Not great. Um. So I will say that I I think they're going. Trevor Lawrence is going to have to be really really good for them to double their win total. But I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be really really good this season.
1: I think I think Trevor Lawrence is gonna. I think a lot of people are gonna regret some of the things they said about him takes wise. You know I I was really looking forward to seeing how this this rookie class's uh, sophomore season goes just because they all pretty much disappointed across the board. It looks like we might not get as much Zach Wilson as we might have liked. I know we were both kind of excited to see the Jets and, and how their team plays out. But I think Lawrence ultimately will sign. Anybody out there that's still, you know, I, I would have gone with Mac Jones. Shut up. Shut up. I would rather die a thousand Trevor Lawrence deaths than one Mac Jones life. Like, as, as and I'm, this is not a Mac Jones, like, insult. Mac Jones is perfectly serviceable. But if you have a chance... To, to see Trevor Lawrence blossom into who Trevor Lawrence was meant to be, who we were told he can be, that's worth the, than just settling for mediocrity. And the Jaguars, say what you want about the Jaguars, they are balls to the wall. They will give Christian Kirk the biggest wide receiver contract in the league and simultaneously destroy the receiver market single-handedly to expel A.J. Brown from their division. The Jaguars think that way. They go balls to the wall. And I trust that this Jaguars team, well, they're never going to make the playoffs. I I trust that they'll be watchable. They'll be fun. We're going to have some fun talking about the Jaguars this year. And with that,
0: that's the AFC South. We did it, boys. We covered it. And Trey, I, I know I saw that glimmer in your eyes when Bradford was talking about the Christian Kirk deal there. Ultimately, you were right about that. Way back in March, we had a pretty heated debate where you said that Christian Kirk was definitely going to reset the wide receiving market. And I was like, no, you're crazy. This is just the Jags being stupid. (laughs) And it ended up being completely right. So that's on me. That was a bad take by me. Congratulations on your take win. Look,
2: man, look, I, I just saw it how it is, man. That type of money going to a wide receiver like Kirk, like there's just no way that would that wasn't going to reset the wide receiver market. I'm actually like sort of surprised that it, it, it exploded like it did. Because when I said it, it would reset the receiver market, I thought maybe two or three, maybe four deals. But we got maybe five or six deals that just blew everybody's mind out of the water. And just completely change the notion of how we're gonna ch- how we're gonna pay wide receivers moving forward. I mean, of course, Devontae Adams deserves that money, but AJ Brown got tons of money. DK Metcalf got tons of money, and he got a short term deal to where he can get back to free agency at the beginning of his prime. Man, so uh, the the whole entire process and the mindset of paying wide receivers it's gonna be. So fascinating to watch, because as we saw with A.J. Brown and the Titans and uh, maybe D.K. Metcalf with the Seahawks, this stuff can get messy, real messy, and it could get messy real quick. So it'll be fun to see how that, that entire situation evolves over the next couple of years, because you can bet your sweet butt we're going to see some pretty fire young wide receivers deservedly demanding to get paid big money over the next couple of years. The,
1: the Bengals have to be absolutely terrified at this moment. Jeez,
2: man. Like, oh, the Vikings wow. will find a
1: way to keep Jefferson. I'm not concerned about that. But the the Bengals, oh, I, I would be Lord. terrified. Like, <laughs> it, oh, oh, And you have to pay
0: Joe Burrow You have to pay Joe Burrow still. Oh. Joe Burrow, still.
1: Burrow is oh. going to get an absolute – the more and more time passes, the more right I become about the Mahomes contract. I so many people I were going at me about you know, like you're ridiculous paying a quarterback that much money. That's no, just no, a bro. bargain now. That's a <laughs> bargain now. Are you kidding me? And it's not that these quarterbacks don't, it's not that Joe Burrow doesn't deserve a record setting deal. It's, it's we're gonna see more- so much change, you in know, in, in the approach teams take. And the value of first round draft picks is going to be an all-time high in league history. Yes. Like yeah. this stuff is, it's going to be ridiculous. Those rookie deals, invaluable, yes. invaluable. You cannot like the, the bangles are going to lose one of them. I swear it's, it. I don't think that ownership, man, that's, <laughs> that's, You're that's good. scary. I mean, you even see franchises like the Titans or my chiefs, right? We're losing, we're losing star receivers left and right here you know it's 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 tough out here being a team in the afc with with a great receiving core i wouldn't expect you to empathize with that eric but that's okay (laughs) i just uh well i
0: mean that's i just
1: (laughs) but good on you for for prophesizing the christian kirk uh apocalypse because it is hit hard yeah (laughs) like oh i cannot even begin to imagine the money lamar is gonna get if lamar pushes this thing to the open market He is good. If Kirk Cousins could make as much money as he did using that strategy, Lamar Jackson will absolutely shatter just our preconceived notions of money. They will be giving him the state of state of Maryland. Like I just wow.
0: Absolutely. Well, boys, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a fun ton of fun. Before we go, pray. Why don't you plug your stuff where we can find all your great Titans reporting and then we, let's get out of here.
2: Uh you can find me on Twitter on Twitter, excuse me, at Trey Watkins 099. Um Titan stuff, per usual. A lot of yeah, you know, a lot of European football stuff as well. Now that Barcelona's back and they're making me lose my mind. Um not a lot of Yankees. Yankee not a lot of Yankees because the Yankees make me want to jump off a cliff. Oh, yeah, that's uh, another tough one.
0: Upcoming Credit for me for not bringing out of those things up this podcast,
2: you know what Eric if you brought up the Yankees this podcast episode, I literally wouldn't care because they're dead to me now. They're dead to me until further notice, bro. so i'm well, I'm dead inside when it comes to them.
0: Well, I can't wait until <laughs> until we get you back on in mid October to react to the Yankees ultimate uh heartbreaking playoff loss so' oh, can't, man. Can't, the
1: Seattle Mariners. Can't, can't or sorry, the Seattle that. Mariners, or however the guy said it. I I my voice is incapable of making that noise.
0: <laughs> All right, folks. Follow the podcast on Twitter at EnzoPod. Follow Bradford on Twitter at There Is No Cold. Bradford, would there be any chance now that you're more uh front-facing on social media because of this podcast that you would ever change your at?
1: Uh I could, probably. Uh at, at the same time, I'm I'm not sure if I I'm not sure if I'm ready for that yet. Gotcha. Like I, I I specifically picked it for anonymity. And I'm am I, I don't even know if I'm I'm pronouncing that correctly. But yes, i conceivably at some point in time I will. Um if you're looking to find me, uh you can find me also at my grandma's house, because that's <laughs> where I'm currently at. So come in, come have some peach pie with me. We can watch some uh Peach Pie is absolutely delicious. football. Delicious, incredible. And, and, Trey, it was it pie. was delightful to, to finally meet you. I've I'm I'm very familiar with your voice by now. I've I've recently <laughs> picked up a habit of of often time listening to older episodes to kind of familiarize myself with the history as I'm as I'm falling asleep. Not as in like a you guys are boring sense, <laughs> I, I find No, that's it. no, good. I, I, I often Eric's, listen to
0: podcasts while I'm sleeping. Good idea.
1: Podcasts i sleeping, but Eric's uh, sultry, dulcet tones have have lulled me to a. Oh, well, I appreciate A, a, I, a I, nightly peace. I, I, I would, I would, I would enjoy you reading me a bedtime story. I hope to, to put writing. all
0: our listeners to sleep. That's my ultimate goal. Anyhow, thank you all for for watching and listening. I appreciate it, and we appreciate. We will be back on Sunday to do a little bit more rapid fire preseason week two talk, plus probably some news and maybe a little short segment. But until then, enjoy the rest of your week. The
1: Jaguars are winning the AFC South. <laughs> All right,
0: and we'll leave you with that wonderful piece of hot taker. Peace out, guys.